You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We got some great guests lined up for tonight on the Goodyear Hotline. Assuming they show up, you never know. But we have some <laughs> planned. Uh, CJ McCollum of the Blazers, Terry McLaurin of the of the Washington Football Team, Patrick Ricard of the Ravens, and former NFLer Matt Castle all lined up to join us tonight and help us and help you uh, take your mind off of everything that went down today. And, Pitts, before we do that, I just want to quickly acknowledge that um, we are not going to ignore what happened. There was a terrorist coup at the U.S. Capitol today. Um, it seems to have died down a little bit, but I, I can't imagine that whatever they planned and whatever they want is over. Um, so we're going to try to give a break from that news and that reality, but we're not ignoring it, and, and we're not going to come on and tell you this isn't America, this is America, and this isn't four years leading to this day, it's it's centuries of it. And um, if, if you watched today and you didn't feel like it was proved for the millionth time that there are two Americas and and that we need to listen to other people and care when their experiences aren't equal and aren't fair and aren't legal, and until we accept that every citizen here uh, is not equal under the eyes of the law, in the eyes of the police, in the eyes of our leaders, we will be broken and we will probably be in danger. And we talked about this a lot this summer. We spent a lot of showtime talking about what our country has been fighting for. And if today wasn't the perfect example of what everyone's been yelling about, then I don't know what is. Um, and Fitz, one of the things that came up a lot this summer was that in the past, people have said it is a miracle that every day black people don't riot, that they just want equality. They don't want revenge. And today, what we saw was a lost election, a fairly voted for and lost election that triggered a kind of response um, that our former colleague, Reese Waters, said they never could have been us, uh, speaking from the perspective of a black man. So, um, you know, we got to get past protecting, advocating for, ignoring, making excuses for hate and hate groups. And, And it's poison. And until we figure out how to be the America that we actually have always claimed that we were, but never have actually been in reality, then we're... We're we're in trouble. And today was a reminder of that. And, you know, I just I don't want to get into a sports show and pretend like we both are not deeply affected by what we watched today. Uh, Sitting on the morning show on the first I I don't remember who said it, but I asked if there were any New Year's resolutions. And someone said my only resolution is to spend more time focusing on the word unity. And today was a a Mm. reminder that we're nowhere near that uh, in this moment, and uh, a lot of us are broken. And we as a community and as a nation have to find a way to come together and have to find a way to be better for everybody and be better to be as one. So I think it's important, you know, everybody knows that I focus so much on, hey, we're going to be here and we're going to have escapism. And today, I know that's needed more than ever, but it's also a reminder that for so many people, there is no escapism. And for so much of what the country is going through today, this is a day where we've got to look around and say, man, I don't know where rock bottom is, but I do know that the only way we can climb up is if we figure out a way to climb together. And I don't know what makes that happen, but I just hope uh, that somehow we can figure that out in 2021 or at least start to move towards that process. Good Lord, I hope this is rock bottom because I do not want to see what worse than this is, Fitz. I really, this is, uh, uh, I'm not going to say that I was shocked by today because as someone said, wow, this really escalated uh slowly and with with steps every day over the last four years right <laughs> did not did not escalate quickly this is something we all could have seen coming in fact if you were on the internet that the plans for this were laid out pretty clearly and yet the reaction was not uh sufficient um but yeah if this is rock bottom then i i saw a quote yesterday that said um 
Some years ask questions and some years provide answers. And it felt like yesterday, um, a lot of what went down felt like 2021 was going to be a year of answers instead of questions. But um, we, we will see what we learn from this and what actually happens. Uh, but we do have a good show. and We're going to get you through it. And we're going to talk about stuff that hopefully will take your mind. We got some good news later. Uh, involving Passon's punk kid. So, you know, we can all rally around. If there's <laughs> unity around anything, it's that we want him to fail uh, because th- there's nothing that brings our show together like heckling a child. Um, I mean, there's no kid I'd rather trash talk. <laughs> well, there's one kid in New York there's... from the Jets game last year. But other than that, there's there's no kid I'd rather <laughs> well, talk, trash talk. Well, there was that time I heckled a toddler in a Chargers onesie on a train. But that's a story <laughs> for another time. Uh, let's talk about this weekend because I, I need to look ahead. And I don't know what ahead looks like hours from now or tomorrow or the next day, but I would like to think that this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I will get to check out of life and watch football wall to wall to wall to wall. A wild card weekend of endless hours of football. That is going to include my football team somehow, miraculously. Um, I want to hear your plans because we talked about this before, that the one thing I was worried about is how this would disrupt my perfect day, which is half football, half Golden Globes. And they moved those. So I don't even have to worry about, you know, getting the perfect amount of Thai food to last me through two games and then a red carpet and then a full award show and an after party. Uh, I just need to focus on the football this year. Yeah, but there's two triple headers. Like, I don't know what to do with this. I can handle it. I mean, on Sunday, uh, Michael Jr. and I are doing a digital uh, football uh, pregame show for ESPN that you can find on the app. We'll do that getting before, getting ready for the Ravens-Titans. But other than that, I'm just going to be watching football, right? And But what I can't figure out is how many snacks is too many snacks when you've got a trip. Like, you're talking a solid 10 hours straight well, on the couch in front of a TV. are you new year, new you, or not? Because that's, <laughs> okay. that's a big decision maker in terms of how many snacks is too many. Well, and how many times you can delay that? Like, in full transparency, I said yes. On the first, I was going, I was just going to go clean. And when I go clean, as you well know, I go oh, yeah. clean, right? Like, it's Aggressive. it's a moment for me. So, but then, you know, Mike, being the bad influence he is in life sometimes, said, hey, the first of, of the year fell on a Friday. Nobody ever starts a diet on a Friday. So we'll start on a Monday. <laughs> and so logic. everybody ate their way through the college football playoffs over the weekend. And that weekend, and I ate my way through the last Raiders game of the year. Now I'm like... I don't know. Do I just plan it off again for another Monday? Because I've done well all week. So I'm like, now I'm in the, oh, weekends don't count splurge meal. Like, I'm trying to justify it somehow. I have no idea how to not eat, like, 18 trays of nachos over the course of two days. I'm doing my best to be healthy, but this year it's hitting differently because we're in a global pandemic. I don't think I need to... make anything that much more difficult by being also hangry all the time, especially today. Like I am No, and let's be I, real, like when we go to the beach, none of us are gonna have beach body when we no, like when I don't we're even care anymore. Out. If anyone judges me, I'll be like, listen, we are alive and kicking and we made it through twenty twenty and whatever the hell twenty twenty one appears to be bringing us, which is just more straight hellfire. So I I don't care what I look like as long as I'm alive and well. Uh, I do have two clocks going tonight though. One is the clock for the show to remind me when to take a break and the other is just a countdown until when I put an entire bottle of wine straight down my throat using a funnel. Just yep. I'm just laying it out there. I just want you all to know that uh that there is a goal ahead and it is to uh yeah. Hey, real which quick, I respect, you, by the way. Thank you. I have not had any alcohol yet this year. Like I have been. Neither I've been, have I'm, I. I'm good. Actually, I'm drunk. Uh, actually, that's not true. I did the same thing you did with the weekend because I had already had all the delicious ingredients for the lava flows I made for the outdoor oh, yeah. luau I had in my backyard yeah. for New Year's Eve. Um, and you know, if you got a can of coconut cream and some pineapple juice and some strawberries and a couple rums, you know, what are you going to do? Just not make a lava flow? So. I, <laughs> 
I mean, clearly I had to, you know, you I'm got all these I'm just like, I'm imagining Sarah walk in the room and say, guys, we're not, not making lava flows, We're not, not right? going to have lava flows all year now that I bought 11 <laughs> cans of coconut cream. Um, gambling, though. You said that you dabbled. You dipped a toe when you were back in Nashville. Now that you're in Connecticut, is it a gambling-free zone? Or are you going to, is this weekend... Take a little you know, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just like sending the bets back to Tennessee. Look, the, the Titans <laughs> are plus 3,000. The Colts are plus 4,000. I'm a little surprised at those numbers. Like, And that seems big. I don't even really know what that means from a payout, but I feel like <laughs> i got to put a little cash on the Titans and the Colts because they're plus 3 and plus 4. But the Bears are plus 8,000. I mean, that's a lot, Sarah. Should I put some? Do I, do I put like 10 bucks on the Bears? <laughs> You're asking me for gambling tips? Not a great idea. Not a great, also, not a great idea for you to gamble if you're like, I don't know what that means. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Coming up, uh, let's talk about the emotions of Browns fans right now as they try to wrap their head around a team that's just getting back to the playoffs and is going to be without a coach. We'll get to that next ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Back to Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you. We're brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And joining us now on the Goodyear hotline, so happy to welcome in Trailblazers player and Browns super fan, CJ McCollum. CJ, thanks for the time. No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. And I love the title, uh, Browns super fan. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it applies. Uh, and you've had you've had quite uh, a last couple months. You you get married. Your Browns are back in the playoffs. I won't even bring up that you lost to my Bulls last night. Oh no, I just did it. Um, but uh, other than that, been a great couple of months for you. Tell me what it was like to actually watch Cleveland get back into the postseason. I'm going to pretend you didn't just uh, speak of <laughs> speak of what happened last night. But um, it, it's amazing. That's my dog squeaking in the background. She's going to be doing this the entire time. It's, it's allowed. <laughs> it's it's amazing to see how far we've come as a franchise, uh, as a fan who's who's seen it all, um, as a, as a '90s baby who's you know seen a one in fifteen season, who's seen an zero in sixteen season, who's seen um, more quarterbacks than one could ever imagine. Uh, I'm thankful we found one. I'm thankful we found Baker. I'm thankful we found Kevin Stefanski and, and everything he's been able to accomplish our organization. It's a shame Joe Thomas uh, just missed the window of, of greatness, but we're thankful for his services. And, and we're looking forward to this playoff. Obviously, um, COVID has ruined a lot of things in America. It's ruined a lot of things in sports, including, you know, what we're going through right now with 14, 15 players out. But I think we still can compete. All right, CJ, so you guys play on Saturday. You don't play on Sunday. So how are you going to watch this playoff game? You just said it. We play on Saturday. We don't play on Sunday. Um, although the Bulls' loss was unacceptable and, and, mm-hmm. and tough on, on all of us. So I think if we I enjoyed it. Couple wins, I enjoyed it, yeah. I'm sure you did. Uh, if you two can't play nice, I'm going to pull this whole show over. God. <laughs> I just want you to know that Mike Mike's never coming back through that door. But um, <laughs> wow. if we can win a few games, Deep cut. if we can win a few games before this week's <laughs> over, I might be able to convince Coach to arrange a practice time that's more feasible uh, for my viewing pleasure. Well, and it's tougher for you though because I mean, are there any other Browns fans in your vicinity on the team or anywhere? Because it's a little tougher to ask out than if it was you know a Portland-based team going somewhere. There are there aren't any Browns fans on the roster besides me, but there are a lot of Browns fans out here in Oregon. There's actually a Browns bar that I frequent very often pre-COVID, um, where there's 
fans from all over the world who flock uh, to watch our Browns win on Sunday. Which is kind of amazing, by the way. Like, I can imagine you're just hanging in the bar, and all of a sudden you look over, CJ McCollum's hanging out with you <laughs> watching the Browns play. I mean, that, that seems pretty spectacular. So uh, is there a lot of NFL trash-talking inside NBA locker? Like, are there fans of other teams in your locker room that you can trash-talk a little bit? Absolutely. We got an Oakland Raiders fan, uh, Dame, obviously. We got Tennessee Titans, Anthony Simons. We got Baltimore Ravens, Mello. We got... Uh, uh, other Ravens fans on staff, uh, Jim Moran is a huge, huge, huge Ravens fan. Um, just you name it, everybody's from somewhere and they're a fan of somebody. So there's a lot of uh, friendly wagers that, that take place throughout the year. A lot of wines <laughs> being divvied out, a lot of car washes and things <laughs> of that nature. CJ McCollum of the Blazers is with us here on Spain and Fitz, also a super fan of the Cleveland Browns, making it back to the postseason for the first time in 18 seasons. Okay, be honest with me. There was a lot of analysts. There were a lot of analysts this year going on the roller coaster with Baker. He's not the guy. Oh, he is the guy. Okay, it's just Stefanski. No, it's Baker. Have you been on board with him since they drafted him, or is this? did you need this season to show you that you feel good going forward? I definitely was on board with the decision to draft him, but just like most fans, you, you want to see success, right? And you understand the coaching changes we've gone through, um, the play calling situations, uh, going from not having a lot of weapons to having almost too many weapons. Stop it. <laughs> too many weapons. We've, we've seen a lot of different things that he's had to face, but I think the biggest thing he showed is that you know, when he's been questioned, he's delivered. He's delivered on the big stage. He's delivered in big games. He's been consistent. He's been efficient. Uh, obviously, Stefanski's done a great job of moving him around in the pocket, having him roll out, setting up the run with the pass. But I think he's answered a lot of questions, and he's lining up uh, these wins and going to be lining up his pockets with a huge extension here in the near future based on his performance. And he's only going to make himself greater um, by a rising to the occasion in the playoffs. And as as someone who's – I don't know Baker personally, but, like, we tweet or, or like, I DM him and stuff like that. I'm sure, like what the same thing that I told him is: don't worry about proving other people wrong; prove yourself right. He's a guy who's extremely confident. Obviously, uh, he's played well, and I'll never forget being able to watch him at Ohio State when he was at Oklahoma, when they beat <laughs> beat my Buckeyes, and he planted the flag in the middle of the field. That's when I knew <laughs> I'd love to have that guy on my team. Okay. I mean, you just threw out my Buckeyes too, CJ. Like you got a lot going on this weekend. <laughs> a lot I mean, what, going what, on. Uh, after you watch the Browns, then what's the plan for the national championship game? I I don't even know. We have we have a lot going on with our with our roster with our team. Like, is the game going to get postponed? Is it not? So it's it's going to be an interesting situation. But you you better believe that I will be watching. Although I am a big fan of a lot of those players, especially that receiver from Alabama. I love his story. I love. Yeah. Um, I love his speech. I love what he's done for his professor. Huge fan. Wouldn't mind seeing him in a Browns uniform or, or Waddle or the running back. You know, you can never have too many athletes. But <laughs> I like I like the Buckeyes' chances. I, mean, I, I think that quarterback has something to prove. They, they wrote him off after the uh, conference championship with those interceptions. And he showed that he's worthy of a, a high pick in this upcoming draft. CJ, do you get like, I mean, come on, you're CJ McCollum. Like, what about load management? Like, maybe you just take a load management day for Monday and watch the championship game. Uh, I'm in no position to do things like that when, <laughs> when we're dropping games against uh, Sarah's Bulls. 
Mm, oh. mm-hmm. My bulls over 500. Look at them go. Woo! Oh, uh, <laughs> it's Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz. We're talking to CJ McCollum of the Blazers. I love how there's no interleague collusion. So he's just outright recruiting players to his football team. Like he's not, he's like, I'd like to see him. We'll take him. We'll take that. Um, let's talk about your basketball team. How's it been coming back after this short turnaround and, and such a quick off season? It's been an interesting ride. I'll say that. Uh, I've done a great job taking care of my body, um, meeting with my PT, meeting with our strength and conditioning staff, and helping perform it daily, making sure that I'm good to go. But it's just been a weird situation, you know, playing with no fans, playing in these huge arenas. Obviously, the, the COVID protocol continues to evolve uh, and change on a day-to-day basis. You know, staying in your hotel is something that I'm, I'm kind of used to, although we normally do team dinners on the road, so that's been the adjustment of, Kind of just taking your food to go, but all in all, I think we've done a pretty good job of of staying safe. Uh, the NBA, our staff, the hotels that we stayed at, they've done a great job of minimizing our contact uh, with the outsiders. How much different is it than it was in the bubble, CJ? Completely different because in the bubble, I felt safe. I felt like you know the testing protocols we were under, the fact that everybody was in the same hotels, the same few spaces. Barbers were there. Uh, you could get your nails done. Everything was there. Now everyone goes home, and it's just up to each person to kind of govern themselves. And that's mm-hmm. what kind of makes you worry. You know, put it, it's hard to put faith in man in general, but especially a bunch of younger younger men. It's just a harder situation because, as we've seen, you could do everything right and get your hair cut, and something could go wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just a, it's a tough situation for all of us. We're all paranoid. We're all call you, you assume that you failed a positive you, you failed and you, and you registered a positive so everybody's kind of on edge but we're, we're pushing through it you know besides a step 60 point game and in our loss to the bulls we could we could be looking at a you know a five and two record right now yeah not too bad i mean it's tough when you run up into a buzzsaw like the chicago bulls but we understand that you know it's not always going to be your <laughs> night uh cj thank you so much for coming on enjoy what should be an epic couple days for you I hope you got some McCollum Heritage 91 to pop open and enjoy. Uh, it's sold out, so I can't get any. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe down the road I can I can celebrate with it, too. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And if, if you ever, you know, want to become a Browns fan or a Blazer fan, I can uh, be I don't know. Cut him off. Of Cut him off. This is, this is bad. This is bad. He's going to try to get me to switch allegiances. <laughs> Spain and Fitz, the podcast. That sound there from WBAL and talk about a team that is hitting the right notes at the right time. Ravens and especially that offense putting up big numbers in each of the last one, two, three, four, five or six weeks that they've been at it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and joining us now from that red hot Ravens team fullback Pat Ricard on the Goodyear hotline. Pat, thanks for the time. Yes, thanks for having me on. So, sort of an up-and-down season for you guys. At different points, there were some struggles based on either COVID and players being out or just not being in the right rhythm. But tell me what changed over the last couple weeks where it's, you know, 34, 47, 40, 20, you know, putting up these big points and really feeling solid heading into the postseason. Yeah. um, So, at the start of the season, you know, we were doing doing all right on offense, and then it started being up-and-down as the season went on. And then we had a spin where we started to lose a couple of games and then our team had an outbreak of COVID. And I think at that point, 
we just knew that we had to start winning games or our season was going to be over. We weren't going to make the playoffs. And I think, um, I think the guys just kind of refocus. And I think, um, you know, injuries were happening. And I think guys were coming back, getting healthy and guys coming back from COVID. And I think just collectively as a group, we all just refocused and just took it one day at a time, one week at a time. And I think, you know, that's what we're seeing now is, you know, this past five, six games, just how we're playing as an offense and as a team. So, Pat, when you've gone through COVID like you guys went through and it, it put everything at such a halt and made things so difficult, when you come out of that process, sort of how do you guys regroup and rebound? Um, I think we have to take it more seriously of what's going on in the building with COVID. It's very serious virus. Um, I mean, I think half our team, just about half our team and half our staff got it. Um, you know, I, I think it kind of made us appreciate being in the building being together and playing this game because, you know, some of us had to sit out. Some of us had, to, you know, myself, myself personally, I, I had uh, tested positive on Thanksgiving. Um, but I mean, I think besides that, I think it was just more the fact that we knew if we were going to lose another game or two, us making the playoffs was not going to happen. I think we've been in that mode now since probably since we played Pittsburgh um, the second time. So um, I like the way things are going right now and hopefully we can just keep everything going to the, to the playoffs right now. Patrick Ricard, fullback of the Ravens, with us here on Spain and Fit. Uh, we'll get back to the football stuff, but I got to ask you about the pancakes uh, because you've got your own <laughs> website. Uh, it's very, very random transition, but you've got this website, patrickricard.com, and you've got a bunch of gear on there. Most of it is, you know, your standard stuff, uh, Project Pat, um, some signature logo stuff, but then you've got these original pancake Pat tees. What, what's going on with those? Yeah, um, so it's kind of just a play on my name. Um, when I first got to the Ravens, the nickname Project Pat came out, and you know it was kind of from the rapper. But it's a long story about that nickname. But it just guys in the building have been just giving me all these different nicknames with Pat, like Party Pat, Project Pat, Pro Bowl Pat, <laughs> just all these different random names. So um, this year, you know, the way I was playing, I had a decent amount of plays where. When I was blocking people, I was finishing them, finishing them into the ground, and you know it's called a pancake block. So you know it's kind of a thought of like, what's a fun way to kind of you know brand myself as the way I play. Um, I'm a physical player, and that's what I pride myself on. And I, you know, having some pancake blocks, and some guys in the building started you know jokingly around calling me that. So I thought it was a great way to you know make a T-shirt for it, and we came up <laughs> with it. And I think it's a pretty cool T-shirt. Um, Happy with it for sure. Oh, it's a spectacular T-shirt. Although I still will say pancakes don't need maple syrup. But Pat, uh, the other he thing he has the uh, worst what, food takes. Don't I even do. engage. Yeah. He, he's trying to get. He's trying to <laughs> yeah, get you to engage. Out. Keep it moving. I'm just saying, maybe Pat agrees with me, and his no. pancake Pat, he would be okay. No one, no one that's agrees. With uh, no, that's fair. Uh, Pat, you're a fullback, obviously, but that there's not a lot of that left in the NFL. So when you look around the league and you see sort of the way your offense runs and and sort of the way the fullback has sort of transitioned into where it is now, talk a little bit about the fullback position and maybe why it's valued more in Baltimore than it is in other places. Right. Um, I mean, for myself, I didn't even play fullback until I got into the NFL. I was a defensive lineman in college, and that's why I tried when I first got here as a defensive lineman. So, um, you know, they had a great fullback in Kyle Juszczyk, Juszczyk right before I got here. Um, Greg Roman loves to use fullbacks, and you know they, they wanted to try me at it, so they did. And um, I think 
I think now you're starting to see in the last couple of years, hopefully, um, I think teams are starting to use more fullbacks. I think before when the league started to turn into a more of a passing league, I think they started to use tight ends as that fullback role and just kind of made it a whole like hybrid. And we kind of do that here, but we still have a traditional fullback. Um, I think it's, it, it's, a, it's very valuable. I mean, if you look at playoff teams, a lot of team success on running the ball, they use fullbacks. Um, they're a big part of the offense and, you know, myself, I'm more than just a fullback. I've been doing some tight end stuff. I used to be a two-way player playing D-line as well. Um, I think that's what kind of what fullbacks have to be. They have to be more than just a traditional blocking. They have to be able to have, you know, pass pass blocking, um, catching the ball out of the flats or any other type of route, um, special teams. But, um, yeah, I think, I think there's value in the position. I definitely don't want to see it die, and that's why I'm – a lot of pride in it and try to make sure people know that, hey, fullbacks are still here, you know. You mentioned being a two-way player, and we're talking to Patrick Ricard of the Ravens. It's pretty remarkable that you you were sort of that two-way rarity, and now you're a Pro Bowl fullback, not just playing the position, but excelling at it. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, if you're trying to, to block for Lamar Jackson, how many steps do you get before he passes you into open space? Like, how can you actually get a body on anyone <laughs> before he goes past you? See, that's, that's the beauty of playing with Lamar. All you have to do is just cover somebody up, and you know he's going to make you right, and he's going to run right by you. And you, know, <laughs> you have to make sure when you're, when you're running that uh, you can't slow down, you can't hesitate because it's going to mess him up. And same with all of other backs. Um, it's awesome. All right, so last yeah. year you guys obviously were involved in a playoff matchup against the Titans that didn't go your way. It was one of the biggest surprises of the playoffs. Now you get the Titans again this Sunday uh, down in Nashville. So uh, how much can you actually take away from that game last year when you get ready for this one? Yeah, um, I think I think it goes from person to person. Um, you know, you can use it as a revenge game and all these things you want to make it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, in my eyes, it really doesn't matter. We've played them this year again. We've already played them once. We already know what they're about. They know what we're about. Um, you know, you, you can use that as a revenge game if you want to, but at the end of the day, it's, it's another game. Um, and that's how I'm approaching it. I don't want to make this game any bigger it is, get in my own head, or guys get, you know, too excited, try to do too much, or, um, you know, because that's when, that's when things bad start to happen. You just have to approach it as any other Sunday, prepare as best you can, and just execute when the plays are called. Spain and Fitz, we're talking to Patrick Ricard, Baltimore Ravens fullback here uh, on the Goodyear Hotline. I saw Lamar Jackson uh, actually addressed his 0-2 playoff record and said flat out that he wants to change that narrative. I want to I want to erase the playoff narrative, he said. Um, you guys talk about that in the locker room? You guys talk about, you know, how, how much it means to you to change that storyline around him and for yourselves, or is it just sort of implied and, and you know, you just get down taxes and O's in business? Yeah, I think I think it's more so implied. Well, maybe people have those conversations on the side, but I think it's more of a team just, you know, like I've said, this past month we've already been in this playoff mode and just getting down to work. We're not looking too far ahead. We're not thinking about anything else besides what's in front of us. And I think that's been the same approach this week. And um, we had a great day of practice today, and tomorrow is our, our great Thursday practice. And um, we're going to keep preparing as best we can so then we can, you know, break that streak of one and done in the playoffs because I'm sick of it, and I can only imagine how Lamar feels about it. And celebrate with a giant stack of pancakes. 
uh, obviously, <laughs> with tons of syrup. Yeah. Uh, no Pat, maple syrup. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Good luck this weekend. <laughs> Appreciate the time. Yes, absolutely, guys. Take care. Everybody thanks, can Pat. go Good to patrickricard.com. That's where the... Uh, Pancake Pat t-shirts and uh, Project Pat, all that good stuff is. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Coming up, good news. We need some. And it involves Passon's punk kid. It's coming up next on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It has been a steaming turd pile of a day, and that sounds a little bit flippant, but the words I actually want to use are not only not allowed on Disney, but uh, would lead me on a rant that would take up the entirety of the rest of our show. And we have some good news to get to involving Passon's Punk Kid. And I don't want to put it off any longer. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. This segment is going to be all good news. And that starts with the news that our Fantasy League which you, of course, remember, Fitz, uh, was named uh, cleverly by a combination of us and our listeners, the Wet Bleep Pigskin, just for Fitz and Gliggles League. (laughs) Just rolls right (laughs) off the tongue. And uh, we had a handful of of listeners in. We had uh, Chanae and Golick Jr. We had Shea Pepler and Jordan Cornette. Um, You know, all all the good stuff. And... uh, as it turned out, our show was victorious. You and I finished third and fourth. I would say the order doesn't matter if I lost to you, but I won. So I'm going to say it does matter. I was in third and you were in fourth. And then the rest of those shows that we challenged, uh, they all were bad. Cheney and Golick Jr. were both very bad. Shay and Jordan were you know, somewhere in the middle. But we won across the shows. But the true winner was not only the winner of the league, but the winner who made Jeff Passon's soul cry and made his punk son remember who's the boss and that is one producer of our show stash he had a better record than you but in the end you had uh he still had more points than you total for the season he just didn't get them in at the right time which i think is probably why your declaration of enthusiasm about the win sounds a bit different than what passon said when reached for comment i hate fantasy football i hate (laughs) everything about it I hate how it monopolizes my Sundays. I hate how mad I get when I lose. I hate sleepers. I hate injury reports. What does questionable even mean? (laughs) I hate how Field Yates' hair is always perfect. What? I hate Matthew Berry. (laughs) I don't even know him. I swear to God, I hate RB2. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's now just taking shots at colleagues. We got to cut him off there. Uh, But everyone hates RB2. There is, is not there? anything worse in fantasy football than RB2. It's just it's it's always a problem. Uh, is but, there anything more adorable in the world though than Jeff Passon dropping f bombs? Like oh, it yeah. is just so cuddly. I don't I know. I'm all in for it. He should have done it in the Elmo <laughs> voice. Uh, I bet Jack Passon, his punk kid, saying f bombs is also quite entertaining. Uh, but we will not, as cruel as we are, we will not seek comment from the child that got his butt whooped by Stosh. By the way, Stosh, champion of the Fantasy League, and his Chiefs won the Super Bowl, so not a bad 12 months or so for that guy. Yeah, that's right. Wow, okay. No, well. Okay, Stosh. Hey, hey. Remember one thing, Stosh, that our fantasy league is just like professional wrestling. You might hold the belt, but you don't get to keep it. So there's right. no actual physical championship belt <laughs> in our league. It's, it's just a, it's a moment of pride. That's what you well, get some cash Well, and our fantasy league is also like wrestling in that they're both fake. It's not real. So you, <laughs> you don't get to celebrate a championship in real football just because you celebrate it in fantasy. 
Wow. 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 I was listening to some old shows. We had some big plans for a trophy to be made, uh, a Shiva, if you will. We had some plans for dance-offs and songs and things that would be done by the losing teams and uh, not surprisingly, we just didn't get our you-know-what together. There were some things 20, going on this It was 2020, year. There were some things going on. I'm giving us a break. Um, we also have some good – so that stash is good news, and it's good news for everyone because, again, anytime Passons Punk Kid has to take an L, we all celebrate. It's a moment of unity. Another good piece of news is that I was given great joy by the Cheez-It song that you, Jason Fitz, com- composed for uh, an ad that you did, a sponsored event, a couple of shows and things with uh, Mike Golick Jr., and now you have it uh, commemorated like a real record. Well, yeah. So, and then I didn't know they were going to run it on TV. I had no idea. So my phone blew up during the Cheez It Bowl because apparently <laughs> they were running our ads. So uh, we ran two music videos ran. But today in the mail, I actually got a vinyl, like a full pressed vinyl record with the songs on it, and then has like album artwork. I've already put it in a frame. Like wow. this thing is awesome. I, I'm I'm overjoyed. Like I am on yeah. a vinyl in a wig with Mike singing about college football. <laughs> I would laugh at you, except for. It is a jam. I remember clicking it the first time you posted it to Twitter and waiting to laugh and instead being like, this is a great song and the Backstreet Boys should cover it. Take a listen. This is the Fitz composed and performed Game of Inches. One cheese it is about a square inch. It's just the right size, though it doesn't sound very big. And football fans know that all it takes is an inch. To swing the momentum on which the game will hit. It might sound crazy, you might not believe it, but the difference in winning and losing could be one cheese. It's a game of inches. It's a game of inches. Get into music. Have you ever thought about uh, pursuing music? Hey, you know, Cheez It said they wanted a boy band jam <laughs> about college football and Cheez It's, and uh, they got one, you know? So Dude, you it, crushed it. it. I think you. I heard that song like maybe two or three times, and then I was just walking around my house like, it's a game of inches. Just the, like the funny jamming, I- singing every word. I knew it all. I'll admit that when it comes up on my phone, like on my playlist or whatever, I, I listen to it. I, I do. I just start listening to it. It's I'm a like, good song. It is a good <laughs> tune. Uh, deeply impressed by that. And, you know, it's never too late uh, to, 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 to try some to, music stuff, to try some music stuff. You know, okay. you, it's it's never too late to become what you always dreamed to be. And, uh, you know, don't leave the show or anything. That would be that would be a terrible mistake. on your part. I don't think you're that talented. You'd never make it in the real music world. But cheese it music. You've got you got a shot at a follow up. Um, my good news is not uh, a cheese it record, but it's pretty cool. Uh, I have finalized the deal. To get my own Topps baseball card. What? Yes. Very excited. Like, why do you have a Topps baseball card? Because they have this series of cards that are for non-baseball players. Um, and they uh, you know, feature media members and other celebrities. And so Topps reached out to me. And I will have a baseball card with my picture. And I have to send in a worn piece of memorabilia like some item of clothing or something that I've worn, and they take 
and they chop it up into little pieces so there's a little piece of it in every card. That's incredible. Like, I am so envious of this moment right now. Like, that has to be the – how many baseball cards of yourself do you buy that's too many? Like, there's not there's not such a thing as too many. Like, you get a whole stack, and you just send them they out They give Christmas you a stack year. as part of the deal. So you get a oh. certain amount of money, and you get a stack, and then they make whatever money off of people buying them. Oh. And so, yeah. But, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that every, you know, just saying hi card that I send out is going to be like, oh, and by the way, here's a, here's a card of me. Every Christmas package is going to have a, like a little baseball card on top of the wrapping. Oh, just threw that in. That's um, incredible. Yeah, I will be insufferable. Uh, I just wait till the news I have coming later this year. Ooh, it's, that's a tease. Coming up, scary Terry McLaren of the NFC East champion Washington football team is going to join us. We're going to get into their matchup coming up with Tom Brady and the Bucks this weekend and Chase Young, all sorts of stuff next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. And it fits on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. It is a stacked weekend of football. I'm still not sure how many snacks are too many snacks, but I'm going to find out over the course of the weekend with two triple headers on Saturday and Sunday. So I figured the best thing we could do, Sarah, is get a little expertise from somebody that's going to be playing in one of those games. Let's head straight over to the Goodyear Hotline, where we're joined by Terry McLaurin of the NFC East champion Washington football team. Terry, thanks so much for the time, man. Congratulations, and we really appreciate you joining us. So let's start with the obvious. COVID, obviously, has been such a big part for everybody. What's been the hardest thing for you guys in the COVID world to get just sort of back to a sense of normal? Um, oh, I feel like everything was new for us this year. Um, having a new coaching staff with Coach Rivera, um, you know, some of the protocols obviously is different for us, but, you know, a lot of people were dealing with um, these adversities with COVID. So coming into the year, you know, we wanted to have an open mind and, and get to hit the ground running as soon as we, you know, started having those Zoom meetings and, and those install meetings. Um, but it's been an up and down year for us. But at the end of the day, I feel like, um, you know, we started getting on a roll after getting on a slow start. and uh, We started gaining some momentum. You know, we started capitalizing um, on the opportunities that we were missing out on in the first part of the season. And I feel like we were starting to play our best ball um, in December, um, you know, which helped us get to the playoffs. Terry, it has been a really fascinating season to watch from afar, especially early conversations around the team name and the, and the culture there. Then it's this you know miraculous story of Alex Smith becoming the starter, and now it's that you're a postseason team. How much conversation was there for the team itself, for anything outside of the X's and O's and the games? Were, the, were there conversations in the locker room about the other stuff sort of floating around the team? Um, not, not at all, actually. Um, you know, we wanted to come in – and focus on our job, which was to come in and, and practice hard, come in to prepare the right way, um, and, and respect whoever you know we were playing that week. And um, we didn't let you know whether it was naysayers or there's other distractions going on outside of our building. Um, we didn't want that to affect what was going on inside the building. So I felt like that started the way Coach Rivera, um, you know, his honesty and his accountability. Uh, which I feel like that permeated to everyone. And, um, you know, we didn't, we had to approach a day at a time, a step at a time. And, and, you know, we just had to believe that we, we can be a really good team if, if we, uh, put the work in. And, um, you know, we put ourselves in a situation where we were going to compete for our, for our conference. I mean, uh, for our division. And, um, you know, it was just really cool to see our maturation process despite the adversity that we had earlier in the season. 
Terry, in fairness, part of that adversity comes at the quarterback position, right? I mean, Dwayne Haskins was a college teammate of yours, and he's no longer with the organization. So how surprised was the locker room to see Dwayne Haskins cut? Um, personally, it was. It's, we're just not seeing him in the locker room, obviously. You know, I've, Dwayne's been one of my teammates for a long time now, but um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Coach Rivera made a decision, and he felt like it was in the best, um, you know, the best for our team. And and that's not our job to judge, to judge one way or another. Our job is to trust his plan and trust his decision making, and and and, and live with it. And um, you know, we didn't let that still distract us from uh, what we had at stake. It, it almost seemed like a, a, a long week from, you know, that news dropping and then we were competing for our division. But uh, we knew that what the task at hand was and we had a, we had a um, opportunity to put ourselves in a position where we hadn't been in a few years, which was the playoffs. So um, I feel like everybody's focus was on um, doing that instead of what was going on um, on the outside. Terry McLaurin of the Washington football team with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I know you're rehabbing that ankle and hoping to get to as close to 100% as you can be. Uh, in the meantime, in practice, your, your, your coach is trying to figure out, you know, do we go with a not 100% Alex Smith? Do we cycle our quarterbacks and use more than one? What does that mean for the offense when there's the potential that you might see a couple different guys at, at the signal caller position in the game? Yeah, well, I think the benefit of practice is, you know, we're getting reps with both Alex and Taylor. So, um, you know, we both know what they bring to the table. Um, they're both really smart guys. They they know how to operate this offense, and they play with a lot of confidence. And as a playmaker in my position and in the rest of our offense, um, we have confidence in those guys, and we have confidence in whoever's back there taking those snaps to help lead our offense to have success. So, um, you know, obviously Alex has the, all the experience in the world, um, you know, he's probably seen everything there is to see in this league. And, um, you know, he's been a great leader for us all season. Um, coming back from what he's endured has been nothing short of inspirational. And, you know, I know Taylor has a short, a small sample size, but the way he um, commanded um, his opportunity when he went against the Panthers in relief duty, um, I was impressed because the way he operated the offense and played with that confidence. So our job as um, their teammates is, try to support them, um, make plays for them, and and, and continue just to um, try to execute at the highest level possible no matter who's back there taking the snaps. So, Terry, I did a quick search, you know, and I can't find anybody on the Washington football team roster that went to Clemson. So I can't find anybody that you can trash talk based on last week's result. <laughs> but looking yeah. at the national championship game, there are some Bama guys on this roster. We all know that. So who do you like, who's the person you're going to be blowing up during the national championship game? If this goes the way you want it to shoot, there's, there's too many of those guys to count. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I have two in my room alone with Robert Foster and Cam Sims. So, um, you know, there's not a really a whole lot of back and forth. I, I feel like at the end of the day, um, there's two programs who are a lot similar in the way, uh, the mindset, the way they prepare for, for games, um, the way they're built from a roster standpoint. So um, we're both excited for the matchup and to see who comes out on top. You know, I've, since I've been uh, part of the Washington football team, I've kind of been bragging on those guys because my freshman year is when we beat them in the Sugar Bowl. Obviously, um, you know, years have passed now. They're a different team and we're a different team. But, um, you know, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. But, 
I think it should be a very fun matchup. And whoever wins, I'm sure that, you know, whether it's Ohio State or, or Bama, those guys who are who went to those schools are going to be the ones talking. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put any bets down. I'm not, not going to make any guarantees, but best believe if Buckeyes come out on top, I got enough gear for all my teammates. Uh, I was going to say, I was, I was going to say, it sounds like you're, you're keeping it professional, but you got something for everybody. You got enough to go around for everybody that wants to hear it. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Most definitely. You, know, you, you stay quiet and humble, but uh, and if they want to go there, then, yeah, that's uh, right. uh, Ch- yes, Chase and I have, <laughs> have the arsenal ready for them. Scary Terry McLaurin with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, uh, the Bucks are playing spectacular football right now and it's a different team than the Patriots that we saw for years but it's still Tom Brady it's still the GOAT um in your Mm -hmm. locker room do you talk about him just like any other guy do you have to convince yourselves not to build him up as something more than just you know a guy on the other field on the other team yeah I feel I mean I feel like we don't really it doesn't really come up from like wow you know we're not enamored that we're playing Tom Brady but at the end of the day uh, we know what he brings to the table. We know what he means to that team. And uh, he's one of the best players of all time, and you have to give him the credit for what he's done. And um, not only in the regular season, but in the postseason, it seems like he plays his best ball when he's needed most. And um, we know it's going to take a complete team effort to um, execute at the highest level possible to give our our, our team the chance to win. So um, while we respect him and all that he's done um, this season, you know, we're going to go in and compete. We're going to go in and and prepare the right way and give ourselves a chance to win. Um, I know one person who's talking about it, though. Chase Young. Chase Young is one person (laughs) who is, in fact, talking about getting to face Tom Brady. What what do you make of that? (laughs) Uh, You know, Chase is a guy who plays with a lot of confidence, and you love that about him. He he loves to compete, and he's not afraid of the bright lights and the the opportunities that are set forth in front of him. So, um, you know, I know he's preparing his butt off to – to try to make an impact on this game, and we definitely need him uh, as, as well as the rest of our D linemen to really um, get that pressure on Tom, so he can't necessarily, um, you know, move up and down the field to the receivers that he has at his arsenal. So, um, you know, Chase is a very confident guy, um, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's that's what you that's what you like to see um, from a guy who's who's produced at a high level this year. Terry, obviously you're focused on your team, but there are a lot of coaching openings across the NFL, and a coach you know more than most about, Urban Meyer, is on the rumor mill as possibly a candidate for them. What kind of a fit do you think Urban Meyer would be in the NFL? Um, Well, I feel like one thing that Coach Meyer brings to um, any team or organization he'd be a part of is uh, that winner's mentality. Um, You know, he does whatever he can to help um, his team be successful and, and win a game. Um, you know, the way he prepares his team from start from the summer to game time, it's all about preparing um, to win a game. And no matter what you um, your role is, you, you want to be at maximum capacity is what he's called it and uh, have competitive excellence, which is being ready when your number is called. And Coach Meyer, I mean, everywhere he's, go, everywhere he's gone, um, he's built a, a winning team. So um, I haven't talked to him specifically about being in the NFL or not, but um, if he chooses to do that, that would be cool to just see him uh, coaching again, um, doing what he loves to do. But um, we'll have to see how those chips fall. Terry, congratulations on making the playoffs. Congratulations on a great year and a big leap forward in your career as well. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you so much, guys, for having yeah, me. You guys luck. have a good one.
All right, we've got a lot to break down. We just asked Terry, obviously, about Chase Young, but he's doubled down <laughs> on his words uh, towards Tom Brady. We'll break it down next. Plus, the, the Browns aren't the only playoff matchup that could be COVID-affected. We'll give the latest on another one coming up next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We said it earlier, we'll say it again. There's obviously bigger things going on in the world today. It's not lost on us, and we're not oblivious to oblivious to it, uh, Sarah. But uh, at some point, what we're trying to do is have a little bit of fun and uh, give everybody a little bit of distraction as they come here. And we're, uh, we're trying to stay as focused on sports as humanly possible on a day that's been very difficult for so many. So I don't want and anyone we will, to think uh, that we're... Yeah, we'll talk about the intersection of them, too, because you know the Bucks and Pistons just tipped off and then all together knelt. Uh, on the court in the middle of the game. And there's been a lot of statements from NBA coaches and players. You know, we'll get to all that in a little bit, too. So, in the meantime, we just uh, had the opportunity to talk to Terry McLaurin, the Washington football team wide receiver, asked him a little bit about Chase Young. And Chase Young has made it clear that he is ready to take on Tom Brady. And, in fact, uh, when he was asked about it today, I think everybody's waiting for this moment where Chase Young is going to turn around and say, oh, no, I didn't mean it. Uh, But that's not happening at all. He doubled down on it, and rightfully so, as he made it uh, clear. His quote, I'm not sorry for the I want Tom talk. And, uh, you know, Sarah, I I think it's funny because, as he points out, I'm excited excited to go against the best. The media, their job is to stir it up. If you know me, I'm excited for every game. Tom Brady, you think I'm not excited to play against a goat? You tripping. I'm not going to apologize <laughs> for anything. Uh, I want Tom. No, I want every quarterback I play against. Uh, and this, you got to know a little bit about Chase Young's personality. I, I think they did a nice job on the Sunday night football game talking about who he is and, and the fact that he's immediately become a captain on this Washington football team, that he's got sort of a joy and an energy and a love for football that, that shines through and it's infectious. And, you know, this is is just Chase Young being Chase Young. And I frankly, I love the fact that he's coming in and saying, hey, I want this guy. He's the best. I want to take him down. Like, it's got to be on your list to want to sack Tom Brady if you're playing in the NFL right now. Yeah. Normally, I might say, simmer down now, kiddo. Right? This isn't the best <laughs> idea to give them bulletin board material, especially if Tom was still on the Patriots and Belichick was involved. I would be like, oh, no. But there are a couple reasons that I actually love this. One is, if you remember Tomlin saying to Chase Young, um, I never want to be in a position where I get the chance to draft a player like you, but it sure is a pleasure to go against you, right? Basically saying, if you're a Chase Young, you're going to be on a bad team. They got to be bad to be able to draft you. And yet here they are in the postseason. So there's this sort of awesome thing where one of the best players, young, one of the best young players that we've seen out there gets to be on a team that has a postseason opportunity. It's been a weird, wild season. We just talked to Terry about it for the Washington football team. What do they have to lose? If they lose to the Bucs, we'll be like, yeah, duh. <laughs> right? Their division <laughs> is trash. Their culture is trash. Their quarterback couldn't even walk like a year ago and might be in and out because of an injury now with, with you know, Heineke. There's so much at, at play here that, like, would, wouldn't go their direction anyway. So I don't think that if they lost, we'd be like, well, he shouldn't have said anything. It's definitely Chase Young's fault, right? Yeah. So that just throw that out. And then, like you said, you want to play the best, but you also want to play the best if they're 43 and completely immobile. Like, yeah, you want to play Tom Brady because he's slow and he can't get out of the way. And if you get to him, that's the game plan. Like, if you're Chase Young, you already want to be a big part of everything, and you're going to be. But when the game plan is, this team doesn't play well when their quarterback gets pressured. And it's your job to pressure him, and he's old and slow. Hell yeah, you want this matchup. I love it. I think it's awesome. 
And look, I, I, do I think the Buccaneers will win? I mean, we'll get into this later in the week, sure. But there is a matchup issue here because this defensive line for the, the Washington football team is not good. They're great. They've got a lot of young guys that can get after the quarterback. And I feel like the Washington football team really took a page out of the 49ers uh, playbook when they said, okay, let's build the best defensive front seven that we possibly can, and then we'll figure out the rest of our roster. They're still figuring some of that out. They've got some liabilities on offense. Uh, but the defensive line is the strength of this team. I mean, not just Chase Young, but Montez Sweat. They're going to be able to get after Brady. So I don't mind the swagger because I think if there's one matchup area where they can have some results, it may not be the final score, but it is going to be their ability to get after Brady and at least irritate him and agitate him for the course of the game. So, frankly, I love it, and it's one of the matchups I'm really looking forward to over the course of the playoff weekend. The other thing about the playoff weekend we've talked so much about is COVID and the impact to the Browns. But it's not the only team at this point. The Browns aren't the only team that are going to be in some level COVID affected because we do have more news now with the Tennessee Titans having one of their trainers uh, test positive. Now, the facility has remained open. They are trying to contact trace it. We don't know the depth of how this will go, but it at least perks everybody up in the moment of looking around, head on a swivel saying, oh God, I hope this doesn't impact anybody because the Titans have a huge matchup against the Ravens and this is just part of what we deal with at this point. Can we also just talk about the Ravens and the Steelers and their proximity to COVID outbreaks, even when it's not their own? Like, they're always nearby. Like, what's the deal? What is the deal with the Ravens? <laughs> like, why? Right? I mean, it's it's wild that they're they're always they're always involved. And then you're Raiders, too, of course. But um, I, I do think, hopefully, what we find out about this is that the trainer didn't have a significant, rea- uh, you know, connection to the majority of the players or you know, because what we what we heard about um, one of the other outbreaks was that it was most likely connected to uh, either it was either massage or um, a bath, like a tub, a cold tub that that players were in. So you got people from all different positions and everything else. That would be my biggest concern with a trainer is is this person working with people in multiple positions, and then is there contact tracing that's going to affect a bunch of different uh, players? And again, their facility is open. Uh, they started practice later on Wednesday uh, as they continue to try and find out all this information. But that's also a little hairy for me, too. Like, I understand you got to get in there and practice, but I'd be nervous as all get out right now that then the contact tracing is going to become an issue even for what happened today in the facility. So, you know, I don't know where the line is between caution and trying to figure out exactly what to do if you're the Titans moving forward because a COVID outbreak would be absolutely a, a fitting way for this this matchup to happen. But, Sarah, it, it is the the biggest fear that any team has right now well we're seeing what's going on with the browns as it's been i think six days out of the last 10 that their facility's been closed right before a playoff game and all the conversations and lots get some really smart stuff to say on chenan gullick jr earlier about just what it means to not have your head coach particularly for the browns particularly with baker um so there's there's not a team out there that isn't looking at them and and right now saying glad it's not us well, I'm getting more and more nervous for every team in the playoffs about their quarterback position as well. I just feel like you got to keep that guy in a bubble the entire time. All right, mm-hmm. coming up, we'll keep the playoff conversation going and dive into some of the other matchups. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM. Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's a big weekend. Two triple headers. Not one, but two triple headers, by the way. Another shameless plug. Mike Golick Jr. and I will be doing a digital pregame show on ESPN. 
that you can check out in the ESPN app and all over the digital formats, I think 12.30 p.m. Eastern, to get you ready for the Sunday action. Uh, but we're going to get to some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, by heading over to the Goodyear Hotline, where we can get some expertise from our, one of our favorites, Matt Castle, former NFL quarterback analyst for NBC Sports Boston, joins us there. Matt, thanks so much for the time, man. Happy New Year. We appreciate you coming on with us. So when you look across the spectrum of these matchups, which one to you of all the playoff matchups do you think is the most uh, sort of uh, exciting? You know what? There's some interesting storylines, obviously, but one of the ones that I'm really interested in is this first game right off the bat, the Colts-Bills. Obviously, the Bills, to me, are the, probably the, the hottest team in football right now, winning nine out of the last ten games. They've only lost, and the one that they lost, obviously, was the Hail Mary and the Cardinals. And the, the fact that there's so much firepower on that offensive unit, the defense is playing better. But then when you look at the Colts, right, the Colts are 11-5. and five and they squeaked into the playoffs. They got the last wild-card spot. But this is a balanced team, right? Frank Reich has done a tremendous job with this team all year. They play good defense. I know that they've they've struggled a little bit more against the pass recently than they did earlier in the season. But at the end of the day, I mean, between some of these guys like Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston on the defensive side of the ball, I think that they can get after the Buffalo Bills, and it'll be just a great matchup in the way that Jonathan Taylor's playing in Rivers. I mean, I just I think it'll be fun to watch. Matt, we spent a lot of time talking about the Browns because, of course, their COVID issues and Stefanski being out. We've really taken our focus off a Steelers team that was getting a spotlight for all the wrong reasons as the regular season came to a close. A lot of people not giving the Browns a chance because of the coaching issues, but how confident are you in what the Steelers will look like after struggling after taking their first loss and going downhill from there? Yeah, you know, the thing about the Steelers, it's kind of been a really interesting season for them. Obviously, starting 11-0, everybody at that point was talking about how great they are. Could they be the next undefeated team? Yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, the struggle started, right? And they slipped three in a row or whatever it was. And the fact of the matter is, it, it kind of started to show some of their deficiencies, one of their deficiencies being the, the imbalance that they have, right? They're such a pass-heavy team, and, and teams started to sit and squat on those short routes, and they got away from running the ball, and they haven't been able to run the ball consistently throughout the entire year. And I, I think they're ranked, if not last, I believe they are last, if not last and second to last in the rush offense. So, again, that, that kind of those issues started to compound. You had the injuries on the defensive side of the ball. However, at the end of the day, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, the way that he came back and against Indy in his last game in the second half and started to push the ball downfield and some of the throws that he made to bring them back into the game and come from behind victory, and also the way that they, that defense, they just generate so much pressure, so many hats to the ball, what they do in their disguise. I mean, they're going to keep you in each game. So as long as they can keep it together and produce some points, that defense will keep you in the game. So I'm not as worried about those Steelers as some other people might be. Okay, but let's be real. They don't run the ball well, and there have been times where Ben has looked less than what we're used to for for him as at the quarterback position, Matt. So even if they get out of this game, is it fair to say that they're at a different tier? They're at a lower tier right now than where the Bills and Chiefs are? Oh, absolutely. It's fair to say that. I wouldn't say that, but in terms of this game, I mean – they, they didn't. They just had a bunch of starters last week. They look in the first uh, first time that they played the Cleveland Browns, they absolutely dominated them. And in this last game, it was a you know a small victory for for the Cleveland Browns without ma- many of their starters. So at the end of the day, I, I still think that they're a dangerous team. But when, if you're talking about the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and the, where they're at right now, no, I wouldn't say that the um, the Pittsburgh Steelers anywhere close to that. 
It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio talking to Matt Castle, former NFL QB, now working with NBC Sports Boston. I'm not even going to ask you if my Bears have a shot because I think the answer that everyone has is no. But but I will ask if you think that there's a shot for the Washington football team against the Bucs purely based on that pressure they can get on Tom Brady with that defensive line. Right. That's the big thing about this matchup with Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington football team is the simple fact that the Washington football team's front four and what they can do with Chase Young, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Ryan Carrick, and Jonathan Allen. I mean, every one of those guys are first-rounders. And that that's going to be the key to this game for the Washington football team. If they can keep Brady in check and if they can put pressure on him and the teams that have been able to apply pressure to Tom throughout – the course of this year, which hasn't been many, but the New Orleans Saints comes to mind that he, those have been some of his worst games. At the end of the day, though, I mean, with the weapons that they have, they're going to have to also be able to produce some points against a pretty pretty stout defense on the Tampa Bay side. And if a Washington football team can't put up a lot of points, especially with Alex Smith being in question, I mean, I have to say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady will figure, a way, figure out a way to put up some points in this game. We're talking to Matt Castle, former NFL quarterback and analyst for NBC Sports Boston, giving us the straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contracts, no compromise. So uh, one of the other teams in this whole hunt that I just feel like we're no longer talking about, Matt, is the Seattle Seahawks. They get a first-round game against the Rams. We have no idea what the quarterback position will look like for L.A., but are we sleeping right now on the how good the Seahawks can be in this playoff run? Yeah, I think we are a little bit. And the the only reason I I believe that most people are sleeping on this team is because of how badly their defense played early in the year. I mean, they were historically bad early in the year. And since that point, though, around, I believe it's around week 10, they went from giving up like around 35 points a game to now 16 points a game. And then they were giving up on average around 455 yards per game they're allowing on the defensive side. Now they're only giving up you know, about 305 yards per game. So it's a drastic difference. Obviously, Carlos Dunlap, Jamal Adams being healthy, and, and some of the secondary coming back, those pieces of the puzzle made this defense a lot better, and they're playing at a higher level. And then on the flip side of it, obviously, with Wilson and D.K. Metcalf and Lockett and the, the weapons that they have, they were hotter early in the season, but they still are able to produce. And now that Chris Carson's back and Carlos Hyde, I believe that they can run the ball, be a balanced team. And if this defense continues to play that they, the way that they can, this is a really dangerous team that not a lot of people are talking about anymore because it's not the sexy team anymore. What about on the other side? How big of a drop-off is it if they decide that Goff's thumb is not ready to go and they go with Wolford from, from the small amount that we saw in that game last week? Yeah, it's a big drop-off. Obviously, a guy like Jared Goff, who's been in that system for a long time, can get you in and out of good, I mean, in and out of bad plays, the check-with-me system. He's just more well-versed at running that offensive um, scheme. And at the end of the day, though, when you watch Wolford last week, I thought he did a pretty good job throughout the course of the game being his first start in the conditions that he was in, meaning it was a playoff game against the Cardinals. But, you know, what's interesting was to watch how that offense performed and what they did to kind of change things up. They didn't motion as much. They were in gun, I think, 90% of the time. They're trying to push the ball down the field, whereas prior to this, I think they pushed the, more, the ball more down the field, when I say that, deeper routes into the depths of the defense, um, differently than what Goff had been used to. He's been throwing a lot more short stuff, a lot more play action. They got away from the play action pass a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if John Wolford can't go. But I know that Cooper Cup's coming back. I mean, excuse me, if Jared Goff can't go. But Cooper Cup's coming back. They've got Robert Woods. And, again, the other part of this whole, whole equation for the offensive side of the ball for the Rams 
is being able to run the ball. Cam Akers, Cam, Akers came back last week, was ineffective, but then and then Daryl Henderson hurt himself, which Malcolm Brown had to step up. But you know that's going to be a key component as well, just being able to run the ball against the Seattle defense. It's pretty stout against the run. Check him out on NBC Sports Boston. Matt Castle, Matt, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on with us. Absolutely. Have a great one. You know, Sarah, the the funny thing is I listened to all of this conversation about these matchups. We talked a little bit about it a few weeks ago, but it's a reminder that playoff expansion obviously has worked because we we now have two triple headers Saturday and Sunday with a bunch of matchups that – the worst team in is the team that would have made it anyway because of the playoff, uh, because they won their division. And these are all really good games. Like I, I feel I thought, like, yeah, I thought you were going to say it just reminded you that the Raiders weren't in it because we didn't have to ask any questions about them. No, I mean, I was going to say like the only team that really doesn't stand a chance is the Bears. The so Bears. it feels like it's good. Wow, <laughs> I walked right into that one. <laughs> all right, coming up. Well, obviously, it's been a it's been a day for this entire country. We've started to hear from some of the coaches in the NBA. You'll hear some of those powerful words next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Obviously, as Sarah and I have talked about a few times over the course of the last couple of hours, uh, this has been an incredibly difficult day for so many people across the United States, uh, across the world, as we've watched what's happening in Washington, D.C. Uh, we, we're not going to be blind to it. We're not going to be oblivious to it. We've mentioned it a couple of times as we've continued to try and stay focused on uh, bringing everybody a little bit of positivity, everybody a little bit of sports distraction. But these two stories with uh, the world of what's happening right now and the world of sports are intersecting in front of our very eyes. And uh, at that point, it becomes something that obviously we want to make sure uh, everybody hears about and everybody uh, knows what's going on, Sarah. So there have been several steps to this. Uh, Of note, the George Washington basketball game was canceled tonight. Uh, That's not a surprise to anybody as everyone seems to be bracing for whatever could happen throughout the course of the evening in Washington, D.C. That's an easy uh, and, and quick note to make sure everybody has, but it goes deeper than that. And one thing that I think has been a little lost in the conversation today because of all the happenings was the power specifically that the WNBA showed when it came to the election that uh, occurred yesterday in Georgia, which is really significant, and it's a story that needs to be told. Yeah, uh, this is something that was building for a long time. And if you didn't ever hear initially the ESPN Daily podcast that Pablo Torre did with Ramona Shelburne on specifically the Atlanta Dream, who one of their co-owners is Kelly Loeffler, who was in the runoff election last night. Um, That podcast is fantastic. And go back and listen to it. I actually just posted it today on my Twitter if you want to find it in the feed. But um, I think people didn't realize quite what a bump it was. And you can actually look at the Google search results for Raphael Warnock, who beat Kelly Loeffler in that election, and the bump that came from the WNBA players who decided behind the scenes that their best reaction to the dream co-owner, Kelly Loeffler, essentially saying, we don't want to support Black Lives Matter. We want to, we want to, you know, if we want to protest, we should do it with the American flag. And then engaging in a back and forth with her own players and a league that is predominantly African-American by going on Fox News and other outlets to argue as to why what her league had decided to do almost uniformly and and, and without uh, anyone questioning it, going on and, and fighting against them publicly and using them in order to help her political leanings and help her political campaign. 
and behind the scenes, they brilliantly and wisely and with coordination that is true of real activists and not just athletes decided what we do, what we do here is not walk right into her trap and give her all the publicity and the foil that she's looking for. Instead, let's rally around and research and understand the person running against her. And once they did, they decided this is a man who stands for the things that we stand for. We're going to support him. They wear vote Warnock shirts. They speak eloquently and with education about him. And all of a sudden, the guy who was polling at 9% is being searched and Googled and talked about And it results in a runoff that results in what happened last night. It's massive and can't be understated the importance that they had in turning that election. I'll show my my bias for the intelligence that I've found in Cheney Ogumake. And obviously you can hear Cheney and Junior uh, before us every day on ESPN Radio. But one of the things that was really astounding to me, the first time I sat down and just had a a real conversation with Cheney about collective bargaining and what the WNBA was up against and trying to find uh, more money for the players and their situation, I walked away from it saying sometimes I forget how flat-out smart athletes are to the business of what they do and what you see with the WNBA oftentimes I think are smart athletes that have turned around because the WNBA uh, has so many athletes that came from you know educated backgrounds and they understand that they needed to be capable of doing a lot of things to make a lot of money in their lifetime I feel like they've come in with a real drive and purpose to understanding business it's such a business-minded league and the women that, that are a part of it are so flat-out intelligent. I'm not surprised that they found the right way to do it, to get uh, their voices heard and to do it in a way that didn't leverage the other side. I mean, that that's yeah. a level of strategy that I think deserves a tip of the hat and shows the intelligence of uh, the people that make up the WNBA. Yeah, not just business fits. And business is a huge part of it because female athletes have to be great athletes and sell themselves and their leagues and their teams and tickets and marketing and a vision of what it means to be an athlete and everything else. Right. There's that's it's it's multifaceted for, for female athletes in a way that's not the same for, you know, big, big time male athletes, but also that these women are used to defending their very existence and their status as human beings as predominantly black women who literally have their personhood called into question and their value by a country that has valued them the least of anyone, that defense of themselves and who they are and why they belong and why they matter and why they should be valued can carry over to things beyond the basketball court and, and becomes a life of activism. Just existing is, is an act is, is, is a political statement for a black woman in our country. And I think that that sets them up perfectly to bring all of that life experience to the statements that they make as athletes, as women, as people of color, and all of that. And and it, and it shows when they, they put the kind of coordination into the things that they did in the wobble, from say her name on the court to their jerseys, to vote Warnock, to every other, every other thing. Um, but it, it's similar in the NBA. And, and that's why we see the NBA being so progressive, because when you have a league that's predominantly African-American and it has leadership that is also particularly progressive, you end up with what we saw from the Bucks and the Pistons tonight taking a knee after the tip-off. You end up with a statement from the Heat and the Celtics that says, in part, 2021 is a new year, but some things have not changed. We played tonight's game with a heavy heart after yesterday's decision in Kenosha, and knowing that protesters in our nation's capital are treated differently by political leaders depending on what side of certain issues they're on, the drastic difference between the way protesters this past spring and summer were treated and the encouragement given to today's protesters who acted illegally just shows how much more work we have to do. They play in the game tonight, but they wanted to make that statement. And Doc Rivers also wanted to make sure that he made a statement today, and it was a pretty powerful one. Here's what he said. What is not is I keep hearing, um, like, um, 
this attack on democracy. Uh, it's not. Democracy will prevail. Uh, it always does. Uh, Mark, uh, it, it shows a lot, though. Um, you know, when you saw the protests in the summer uh, and you saw the riots uh, or more the, the police and the, and the National Guard and the Army, and then you see this and you saw nothing, um, you know, it basically proves the point about uh, a privileged life, you know, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I'll say it because I don't think a lot of people want to. Uh, could you imagine today if those were all black people uh, storming the Capitol and, and what would have happened? You know, um, so that to me is a picture that's worth a thousand words for all of us uh, to see and, and probably um, something for us to reckon with again. You know, um, no police dogs turn on people, no billy clubs hitting people. Uh, people peacefully being escorted uh, out of the Capitol. Uh, so it shows that you can disperse a crowd peacefully, I guess, uh, would be the one thing. Um, but it's a sad day uh, in a lot of ways. It's not good for our country, more uh, across the borders that people see this. But it's, um, it's, it's part of what we are, and, and so we have to solve. Those are powerful words from Doc mm-hmm. Rivers today. And, you know, Sarah, I, I think everybody needs to just understand that over the course of the next several days, we've spent so much tonight talking about the fact that this is a great weekend of football action. The national championship game is on Monday for college football. So we've got a weekend coming up that is going to be stacked full of great games, but it's also going to be stacked full of athletes that understand that they have a voice as individuals and as human beings, and they have value as individuals and as human beings. I would be stunned to see not only the NBA over the course of the next couple of days, but frankly, the NFL and college football not also be looking at the players and and wondering what sort of statements will be made because there will be statements made from people that are so affected by this. Yeah, actually, we talked about this uh, yesterday and whether the show should address the decision not to uh, have any accountability for the officer who shot Jacob Blake. And I wondered, this is something that caused a a postponement of games in the bubble and was obviously deeply effective to the players there. And I I didn't know if we should get into it and see if there might be some some fallout. And before we barely had time to acknowledge that today's events unfolded, um, we have yet to see what what happens next, uh, the, the, the very vague and minimal results from the majority of the people who stormed the Capitol today, uh, leads me to be concerned that they try it again and more. And, and so uh, we certainly will see how the sports world reacts to that if that's the case. Over the course of the next few weeks, there's going to be a lot of uh, people looking at this to see not just what's happening in D.C., but again, to your point, uh, how the sports world reacts to it and what it means for everybody that's involved in it. Coming up, Freddie and Fitzsimmons will take over. I know they'll get you caught up on everything that's going on, and they'll start the preview process for everything going on this weekend. Thanks for hanging out with Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.